Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, and here with me today is Savannah Sachs, the CEO of Tula. Hi, Savannah. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Savannah, I feel like the last time we talked, we realized we had not seen each other in almost two years. We were at an Oprah event um, at Barclays, and we were about to live our best lives. I think it was the beginning of 2020, and yet here we are indoors almost two years later. (laughs) I know, I know. It's incredible. I can't imagine what it would feel like to be in Barclays these days. But, um, you know, I think that being able to connect via Zoom and digitally um, is becoming the new normal. So here we are. How has it been for you, like during the pandemic, like running a team, obviously remotely? And I believe you guys are still um, somewhat remote. Some people can go in the office, some people are choosing to work at home. Tell us how that's been. It's been such an interesting ride and such an incredible time of learning as a CEO and leader. You know, I think that for me, my leadership purpose is really about building a happy, high-performing team. And so to do that in a completely new talent landscape and and in a virtual model is quite interesting. And yes, we actually recently made the announcement to our team that we are going to be taking a big step forward and very much on the frontier of the new workplace. And we will be actually staying remote indefinitely. So, um, you know, the more we thought about how incredibly um, productive and collaborative we've been able to be in a remote environment and what it can mean in terms of recruiting diverse talent across the U.S. and opening up the talent pool and really allowing so much more flexibility and control over each and every one of our lives, it became the clear step forward for us. And so we're going to be um, fully flexible and remote um, and really reimagining what the workspace can be. And so for now, we're shutting down our corporate headquarters. But in 2022, we were going to be creating this innovative new home base. Think of it as almost a hybrid showroom, eventing, experiential brand space, and also an on-site collaboration co-working venue where our team can connect on a regular basis to have that social cohesion and brainstorming creativity and collaboration in person. So um, quite revolutionary, a big step forward. I think the team has been really thrilled with the news and we'll report back in terms of how it's going in six and 12 months. A lot of learning, I'm sure, on the journey. That's really exciting because I feel like there's been one of the pain points across retail, especially in beauty, is this conversation, are we going to go back to work? Are we not going to go back to work? How many days do we have to be at work? Mm-hmm. Tell me about it from the recruitment side, because I think you're right. You know, Being able to hire someone from San Francisco or Michigan or you know, Cal- anywhere you know, is, yes. is opening up the brand to so many new opportunities. Exactly. I think that the last 18 months has completely changed top talent's perspective on what it means to have a great workplace culture and and flexible working environment and really open the eyes of employers to say, we don't have to just focus on the New York City area to recruit talent. And, you know, for us at Tula, we're really focused on capability building, right? And so for us, 
owning key aspects of what we're doing in-house, building out a rock star team is the most important thing we do. And, you know, the more we've been in market interviewing, the more the question comes up from candidates, you know, what is the future of your workplace? And if it wasn't flexible, folks were dropping and, and would say they would drop out of the, the um, process. And especially given our goals around hiring a diverse team, opening up the talent pool to across the U.S. really helps us better create a diverse pipeline of talent. And so for us, it was a no-brainer. I think it's going to become a way to really differentiate in this market for talent. And for us, that's so critically important to be able to recruit rock stars and really build those capabilities in-house. So I think it's going to open up a whole new frontier in terms of how you think about recruiting and retaining talent. Absolutely. So let's step back a little bit, Savannah. You know, you've been with Tula as CEO since 2018, but you actually started your career in consulting. So tell the audience a little bit about how you found yourself in beauty, because I think that's a jump that many MBA students, many consultants, many investment bankers want to make themselves. Definitely. And, and, you know, I love the sort of circuitous path I took into beauty. And now that I'm here, I'll never look back. You know, I think for me, coming out of undergrad, I um, joined a management consulting firm. And for me, it was such a fascinating way to see inside so many different industries and business models. And I really focused on growth strategy and capability building, as well as a lot of talent strategy, change management, culture work, which I just loved, and worked across industries. And you know, I learned so much, very grateful for my time in that space, working with incredible smart people. Um, and really, I, I could not think of a way to, to, to learn more in a faster period of time. And then after business school, I was thinking about, you know, what is this next chapter? What's going to really um, be an exciting new frontier? And I think as often the case for folks, I actually followed a great leader. So I followed a woman I had worked with in consulting who had just joined Birchbox. And um, I think often if you follow a great leader and manager, um, it's an interesting way to chart your career path. And for me, I landed at Birchbox and just fell in love with beauty, right? This idea that you can really combine left brain and right brain thinking, you know, you're building brands in deeply personal, emotional space, um, and great business fundamentals, right? In terms of margin and the investment community and incredible portfolio brands, um, you can aspire to become. And so, uh, just feel so grateful to have found Birchbox and fall in love with beauty and really learn all things digital. Um, and so that's where I then landed and found my forever home in the industry. Um, and love doing that really through a digital first lens. Talk to me a little bit about that because, you know, I think you were at Birchbox like 2015, 2017, really around, you know, a big expansion period for them. You know, I believe it was in the UK and Europe at the time. And, you know, subscription boxes were hotter than ever. I guess they're hotter again now. <laughs> but yes. I'm wondering, you know, what it was that like? Because digital was still, being a DTC brand rather, was still really innovative and savvy and not as saturated as it is today. 
Exactly. You know, I think that um, Birchbox really created the subscription market and it was incredibly disruptive at the time. And to your point, really at the frontier of digital and e-commerce, right? And so it was an incredible space to learn quickly. Um, And to your point, I actually spent most of my time at Birchbox over in London, running the UK market and helping build out the business in Europe. And, you know, that's when I really found my sweet spot, which is that growth stage um, general manager role. You know, I think that um, for me, I love seeing across the business, being able to set strategy and most importantly, build out a team. And, you know, I am one of those crazy people that loves context switching. You know, my ideal day is going from a meeting about product and product development and the innovation roadmap to uh, problem solving around supply chain to then an interview and an all hands meeting with the entire team. And so I was just thrilled to get the opportunity with Birchbox to not only get international experience, but discover that general manager role and that really being my sweet spot and superpower and really falling in love. And so very grateful for for everything I learned there. Um, And, you know, after four years at Birchbox, was really excited to take a look at the broader beauty landscape and see what was, you know, trending and evolving and the disruption in retail and, and really then jump to the brand side. Um, and so that was then the next adventure in finding, in finding Tula. So when you landed at Tula, I mean, at the time you were still very much a digitally first brand. Um, you still are, but, you know, obviously you've expanded to Ulta, which is huge in the market. You've had so many big brand awareness moments, you know, whether it be New York Fashion Week or what you're doing with Christina Milian. I mean, you're a much bigger brand than you were three or four years ago. So tell me what you thought of the brand and where it needed to go, because it was interesting. I think, you know, obviously clean and clinical were around then as they are today, but now this conversation has become a little bit more divisive and a little bit more like this or that, and you are an expert-driven brand. Yes, it's it's such an interesting space. And, you know, when I joined Tula back in 2018, To me, it was about meeting our founder, Dr. Roshini Raj, who is a superwoman. She's a full-time practicing gastroenterologist, a media wellness expert. She does it all. And she really saw probiotics as a breakthrough innovation in in beauty and wellness. And that was the, the heart of Tula from day one. And to your point, you know, we have the clinical credibility and science backed uh, approach of being a doctor-founded brand with the modern appeal of a clean brand. And so really from day one, that was the core and and heartbeat of the brand. You know, when I joined, um, it was really about shining a a light on those fundamentals of the brand and then bring it to life in an even stronger way and accelerating growth. And, you know, to give you a sense of, of where we were and where we are, when I joined in 2018, we were a team of 12, and now we're just about 115. Um, and we've That's actually wild. more than doubled the team this year, all via Zoom, which is incredible. So very rewarding and exciting. And, you know, I think that that success and momentum, to your point, has been because we're really uniquely positioned at the intersection of clean and clinical, right? For us, it's this idea of why choose between what's healthy and what works. Um, And I think we also are filling a very unique white space as an entry prestige brand 
with this Omni strategy, right? To your point, digitally native, social first, direct to consumer is our top channel. It's just about 50% of sales, core capability, and yet equally balanced at retail, which I think has been key to growth, especially given the consumer behavior shifts and channel mix shifts we've seen over the last 18 months, right? The power of a diverse channel mix is is really critical now more than ever. Um, And you know, to your point, I think in terms of the evolving landscape in clean, our approach has has really always been to be rooted in science, right? And to look to clinical research and studies to determine which ingredients we do and don't include. And another important element is really this idea that clean is not one size fits all, right? There is no standard definition in the beauty industry. And so it's really important as a brand to be incredibly transparent, explain your stance and empower the customer to choose what's right for them in their own clean journey. And so one element that's very important to us is that we do not fear monger or greenwash or really educate about clean in a way, a place from judgment, right? In any sort of judgmental way. And that I think is really important. Um, And I think the backlash that we're seeing in the clean space is because of brands really taking that approach of fear mongering or greenwashing. Like let's, let's stay grounded in the science and research and empower the customer with transparent explanations of your ingredient philosophy to make the decision that's right for them. And so We think clean is here to stay. We think it's important to do it right and engage with the consumer in all of the right ways and really empower them to make the decision that works for their routine. Do you think that's become harder as one, more clean brands are around today, of course, than there were three or four years ago, but also that this, there seems to be an this or that conversation, you know, like uh, other doctor brands aren't maybe talking about their expertise in conjunction with clean. So, you know, you do find yourself in a little bit of a unique place. Exactly. You know, I think that for me, clean is becoming table stakes. And at the same time, it's not enough, right? We don't believe that it's enough to define a brand by what's not in your formulas. What are the active, potent skincare ingredients that are delivering results? And so for us, it is always about clean and clinically effective. And we take that approach to clinical very seriously. You know, not only are we a doctor-founded brand, but we're formulating with the clinically effective levels of our active ingredients and also dermatologists testing all of our products and clinically testing all of our products for efficacy. And so that that approach to not just clean, but also what's in, what's driving the results, what is the clinical backing of a brand, we think is more important now than ever. You know, we're really seeing this return to science, return to clinical, and uh, we're quite excited about that. Talk to me about Ulta, because I remember you were launching in what I call their back bar program, but really it's their back bar, bar program for skincare right when the pandemic was hitting, you know, which obviously everyone was so freaked out and was like, what are spa services going to look like at retail? But then at the same time, you've had this amazing journey with them because since then, you know, they've launched Conscious Beauty, they're with Target, you know, what has that enabled for your customer? You know, as I said earlier, from day one, we knew we wanted to be a digitally native omni brand and that retail was a critically important part of meeting a new customer and building the brand and business. And so back in 2018, we were thrilled when Ulta approached us 
to really be an anchor brand in their huge push into prestige skincare. And, you know, we started out in their wellness section and then we've continued to grow and expand. Um, and we're thrilled that we've been the fastest growing prestige skincare brand and just so pleased with the strategic partnership and close relationship we've built with them. You know, for us, it's been incredibly exciting to see how quickly we've been able to scale retail over the past just over three years. Um, and to your point, through a period of incredible, you know, disruption and change, um, we launched in 2018, we've expanded with them every six months. To your point, we did this incredible skin bar takeover in their services area just before the pandemic shut down. Um, and we really had to pivot quickly and, and be smart. You know, for example, we retained our retail field sales team throughout the pandemic. We never laid anyone off. And we actually cross-trained them to educate and serve customers via chat on our direct-to-consumer business when Ulta stores were shut down. And so for us, it's about how do you really think about building that great omni-mix? And Ulta has been an incredible partner to drive rapid growth and, and meet a new customer. And in some ways, we feel like we're just getting Getting started, you know, to your point with Conscious Beauty and some of the incredible uh, initiatives that they're undertaking to further elevate skincare and specifically prestige skincare and the assortment, we're really excited about the headroom for growth at Ulta as well. We'll be right back after this message. Tell me about the Gen Z customer, because I know, I mean, Savannah, you and I are both millennials. I appreciate that so much about you because I feel like we're peers when we talk about Gen Z. Um, but, you know, I think what's so interesting is Ulta is the place for Gen Z. And you are also a very much beloved social media backed brand. You know, the UGC, the the things that I see on Tribe all the time. It's just it's almost shocking to me because, you know, before TikTok, you know, skincare didn't have necessarily the destination that makeup had on Instagram mm -hmm. and some of the other platforms. So talk to me a little bit about Gen Z. Like, what have you found in this last, you know, year and a half and, and your time with them, you know, with Ulta? It's very interesting, you know, to your point, um, as a millennial myself and, and really our core target being millennial, right? That is our largest demographic at Tula. Um, yet at the same time, we over-index with Gen Z and we love that we're able to attract in that younger demographic and, and, um, age range to really fuel the brand for years to come. And so, for us, it's really about meeting the customer where they are. And to your point, thrilled with the fact that uh, Gen Z actually really gravitates towards Ulta. Um, I think that's a great growth opportunity for them. You know, on our side, as a social first brand, we're always thinking about what is that next frontier from a social landscape uh, standpoint. And for us, that is, of course, TikTok. We have grown from zero to 380,000 followers on TikTok in the past nine months, which is absolutely incredible. I think TikTok will eclipse Instagram for us in terms of number of followers before the end of the year, which is absolutely incredible. And that really is about how are you meeting the customer where they are? How are you catering and creating content that is made for that platform and that audience, right? So, you know, 
TikTok describes themselves as really an entertainment platform, even above being a social platform. And I think that's an incredibly powerful insight to understand what type of content is going to resonate there. And you have to custom make content working with influencers and content creators, as well as your own in-house team to produce that entertaining content that is going to really attract that Gen Z consumer on TikTok. So for us, Gen Z is definitely an interesting new frontier. We over-index with that demographic. And one of the ways we've been able to do that is really expanding into channels like TikTok in a powerful way. How would you say your new brand campaign, which is about the negative self-talk that we women do to ourselves throughout our lives, but, you know, we've been really hearing a lot about it, you know, on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, you know, how does this really kind of speak to that maybe entertainment, but also education and just realness that really exists on TikTok? Because it kind of is that, you know, messy, you know, little sister to what Instagram was so perfectly shellacked and presented to all of us for so many years. I agree. I think TikTok is a really interesting antidote, uh, if you will. And, you know, for us from day one, we've embraced skin positivity and beauty from the inside out. You know, our purpose, our vision is to inspire confidence. And in 2020, we decided to raise the bar and create Embrace Your Skin, which is really an always-on initiative and 360 customer experience designed to inspire confidence rather than erode it. So we actually made a promise to our community and a series of commitments such as no skin retouching in any of our brand photography. We launched a weekly positive affirmation tech service. We recently raised the bar further and have strengthened our guidelines with influencer partnerships to make sure that there's never a filter used in Tula-sponsored content. So we have been making a commitment to be a positive force for change in, in the beauty landscape and social media. And to your point, given the data coming out of Facebook recently, <laughs> we know that the problem on social media is critically important to help solve. And so this year in September, we launched our first ever brand campaign, and it was centered on this idea of how negative our own inner monologue, our own self-talk can be, right? We, you know, pulled our community. We constantly are asking them to understand more about their confidence journey and what we can better do as a brand. And in a recent survey this summer, we saw that on average, our community says something negative to themselves 19 times per day. That's more than one every waking hour, right? And less than 1% felt that social media inspired confidence. And that is what then really galvanized us to say, okay, we need to shine a spotlight on this negative impact of our own self-talk and inner monologue. And so we dedicated our first ever brand campaign to unpacking that. We led with a full page ad in the New York Times Sunday Style section. We launched a national TV campaign and we partnered with over 400 content creators and really pioneers in the skin positivity, body positivity um, movement to, to convey this message. And it's if you've seen the, the TV creative, um, you know it is it's visceral, right? We, we took some creative risks to really shine a spotlight on the idea of you would never say those things to someone you love. And so why are you saying them to yourself? 
and really shine a spotlight and force a conversation within ourselves, in the social media landscape, and as a beauty industry about how we can really change the narrative. I mean, that's a huge moment for the brand. Obviously, you mentioned it's your first brand campaign. You were recently at New York Fashion Week and collaborated with Kalina Strada, which is an amazing brand. You're moving into color a little bit more. These are really big moments for a fairly young brand. So I'm wondering, you know, what is on the horizon for Tula in terms of growth and and business opportunities? Because, I mean, there is word on the street that you guys are a strategic target for many people. Um, is this something that you're thinking about, entertaining, always open for, for offers? Yeah, I mean, it's such a dynamic time in the beauty industry and landscape and the market more broadly. You know, right now we are in heads down growth mode. And to your point, there's a lot of exciting things on on the horizon. You know, we feel as if we're really at an inflection point. Um, we did a brand study earlier this year and found that our U.S. brand awareness is just 18%. And so while we've had incredible momentum and growth, we feel like we're just scratching the surface. And really, my approach has been that strategy is what you say no to. We have stayed very focused with tight distribution, you know, a very clear assortment strategy, um, really successful go-to-market. And now in, in 2022 and beyond, we're really thinking about what's next. What's next in terms of building brand awareness and expanding our full funnel digital marketing myths? What's next in terms of retail expansion, category expansion? We have some exciting updates we'll be sharing next year. Um, and then, of course, thinking about inter- international. So we feel like we're just getting started and that 2022 is going to be a breakthrough year for us. When you kind of think about all of those different pieces, you know, distribution, category, assortment, and then also international, where do they kind of lay in your mind? I know it's kind of choosing between your three children, but they're all really important pieces to a larger puzzle. Yes. And I think that's really, you know, the most interesting challenge ahead of us is to my point around the fact that staying very focused and clearly prioritized has been a driver of our success. You know, as we add additional incremental growth opportunities and, and of course, complexity to the business in doing so, how do we maintain hyper-focused and prioritized? And I think in that sense, our current business, our current footprint, our current assortment is still the top area of future growth. And all of these new elements and incremental avenues will be icing on the cake. And so I think that'll be quite interesting is how do we as a team and a brand and a business make sure that we continue to drive rapid growth with our current strategy and footprint and then layer on top. So I think that'll be the interesting challenge for next year and beyond. With the color piece, you know, obviously it was more of like a lip balm or a lip tint. I mean, do you see Tula kind of bridging the makeup, you know, skincare categories even more? Because right now it is all about multitasking. I mean, we're still not wearing makeup the way that we used to, even though people are praying for this makeup comeback. I'm just wondering what you can, what we can glean here. I think it's quite interesting. You know, for us, we know that our customer really wants to feel equally as beautiful with and without makeup. And so that is our ultimate skin goal for our community. And, you know, 
to your point, we launched our tinted lip balm, um, our lip SOS uh, treatment this fall. And, and that was one of the collaborations with Christina Milian, which we were thrilled with. Um, and so that was our, our sort of first foray or, or next step into um, what we would consider no makeup makeup as a category. You know, our filter primer is one of our top selling products. And it's this incredible complexion product that is skincare first, but gives you this gorgeous glow and no makeup makeup look. And so our customers is asking for us to, to be in complexion in a bigger way. And so we're really thinking about what that looks like for next year. So stay tuned. And what about retail? I mean, obviously, I would love to hear how you think Ulta Target's going. And then, you know, the bigger news, I think, is this headless opportunity, which, you know, you're hearing a little bit about, you know, obviously in restaurants and food and now fashion, but I have not heard a lot about it in beauty. Yes, I think we're very excited about the next frontier in both retail and D2C. You know, to your point, we were really honored to be an anchor brand in the Ulta Target partnership and and be a part of the democratization of beauty. You know, because of our entry prestige positioning and price point, we are thrilled with that as a huge opportunity to drive brand awareness and, uh, you know, attract an incremental customer. So really excited with the initial results of, of Ulta and Target. And, you know, for us on the direct-to-consumer side, the next frontier is really about technology innovation. And so in September, we were thrilled to launch our new headless e-commerce experience. So what that means is we had been on Shopify Plus from front end through to back end, right? And headless means that basically we are still on Shopify Plus for the back end sort of, you know, um, guts of the e-commerce platform. But we've built our own front end entirely from scratch in-house with our rock star team of engineers, UX, UI designers, and and, um, data team. And it is incredibly fast. Um, The second page load is actually five times faster. And speed is an incredibly important part of conversion and e-commerce performance. But it also enables us to really innovate from a UX, UI, and front-end feature standpoint, as well as be able to scale internationally. So we're one of the first beauty brands to take this next step and work and build into a headless uh, e-commerce infrastructure and tech platform. And we're really thrilled with how this will enable us to really leapfrog into that next frontier in terms of technology innovation. Um, So in retail, it's really channel disruption and changing retail landscape. And on direct-to-consumer, it's, of course, about innovating um, from the e-commerce and full tech stack uh, standpoint. You know, last question for you, Savannah. We've been hearing for, you know, the better part of two years about the rising Facebook costs, Instagram costs. Like it's in, it's impossible to just be a direct-to-consumer brand. But at the same time, you know, you want to own that information. You want to own the customer. You want to, you know, have that direct relationship. So I'm wondering for you, like, how do you balance both? Because you said the business is about 50-50 right now. And, you know, you are growing. But, like, how do you not grow one piece without the other? I think for me, the biggest learning over the last 18 months is the power of diversification, right? You want an omni-channel mix where you have that incredibly strong direct-to-consumer business and, um, 
you know, owning that customer relationship directly, but also can have a strong presence in retail. And I think the same is true for your digital marketing mix. You know, in in a landscape of rising CPMs and increasing complexity in terms of especially Facebook and Instagram advertising, you want to make sure that you're not overly reliant on any one digital channel in the same way that you don't want to be overly reliant on any one retail channel. And so for us, that's been incredibly powerful. You know, we've always had a diversified digital marketing mix and that's proved even more important. So we can go for the pockets of efficiency in areas where new customers are, you know, really efficiently entered into the brand. So diversification is the clear takeaway. Thank you so much, Savannah. It was so great having you. And we're so excited about all the change. You have to come back on next year when we talk about color. Thank you so much. I'm absolutely thrilled to join and yes, to be continued. Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Tune in next week for another episode. And if you know someone or more than one who should be listening to the Glossy Beauty Podcast, please have them subscribe. Subscribe.